Life is a journey, isn't it? It is a crazy journey. It's an unpredictable journey. You never know where life will take you next. Uh, life is full of ups and downs and twists and curves and pitfalls and surprises. I mean, you just never know. But in, our gracious God has given us his word, and in his word we have truth and principles and promises that help us, guide us, and encourage us in this crazy journey of life. And one of those principles and promises is the promise of prayer, answered prayer. Our Lord has been teaching us how to pray. And we started this series way back when. We started in Luke chapter 11, and we heard the disciples ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And then that kind of brought us over into Matthew chapter 6, and we spent a lot of time there. We studied the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Last week we looked at prayer and fasting, and now today we're still in the neighborhood. We're going to be in Matthew 7. It's still the Sermon on the Mount. And when it's all said and done, we're going to end up back in Luke 11, right where we started, and we're going to close out this study teach us to pray or how to pray. But this morning we look at the subject, asked and answered. Matthew chapter 7, and our text begins with verse 7. Jesus said, still in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So this morning, let's look at the subject, asked and answered. And if you have your listening guide, we start, first of all, with the promise of prayer. Jesus gives us an invitation and a promise. Here's the invitation. Ask, seek, knock. In other words, pray. There's an invitation to pray. Come before the throne of grace, as, as, as the writer of Hebrews would say. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Or as Paul would say, let your requests be made known to God. As Peter would say, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Or as Jesus says, ask and seek and knock. And what an invitation to come to God in prayer. Now, if you've, been in, if you've been in church more than once, you know that. If you've been saved for more than a minute, you know you can pray. You know you ought to pray. Most of us feel guilty for not praying as much as we should or praying better than we should. I mean, we, we, we get this. But let that sink in for a moment. Hear it again for the first time. God Almighty, the eternal, infinite, holy, sovereign, transcendent God of the universe wants little old me and little old you to come to him and pray. Folks, that's mind-boggling. Again, we get used to it. Oh yeah, sure, you ought to pray. But when you think about that and consider what we're actually talking about, it's amazing. It's, it's mysterious. But wait, there's more. Not only is there an invitation to pray, there's a promise. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. In other words, God actually answers prayer. Not only are you invited to come to him in prayer, but God actually promises he will answer. He answers prayer. In this up and down, twisty, curvy, crazy, unpredictable journey of life, what a precious powerful, 
encouraging promise. God answers prayer. Now, with that, let's take a look at the pursuit of prayer. The pursuit of prayer. In verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. In the grammar of the language of the New Testament, the verbs in verse 7 are present, active, imperative verbs. In other words, they command continual action. Asking, seeking, knocking. It's asking, keep on asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and continue knocking. It is continual action. That's the whole idea. What we see is a relentless pursuit of God with our petitions. A relentless pursuit of God with our petitions or persistence in prayer. Or what we used to call importunity in prayer. Uh, some writers actually see an escalation in the terms. That, that, that seeking or asking graduates to seeking and seeking turns into knocking. I'm, I'm not altogether convinced that they're right about that. But either way, Jesus does teach persistence in prayer. Now, we started this whole journey in Luke 11. Let's go there. Keep, keep your fingers there in Matthew. We're not done with Matthew. But let's go to Luke 11. And Luke 11 is a parallel passage. It's a parallel passage where Jesus is teaching on prayer. In Luke 11, this isn't the Sermon on the Mount. It's not another version of the Sermon on the Mount, but it's another occasion for Jesus to teach these things. In Luke 11, in verse 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So Lord, teach us to pray. That's how we got started with this. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Sound familiar? That's, that's a version of the Lord's prayer. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, don't bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So you ask and keep on asking. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by a son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, parallel passage, isn't it? Sounds very familiar. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching to a multitude on the side of the mountain. Here in Luke 11, Jesus is talking to his disciples, but he's teaching the same thing in both settings. And they're just very slight variations. But here the persistence in prayer. If he won't get up and answer his friend's request because he's friend, he will get up and answer because of his persistence. When we started this study, we talked about what prayer is and what prayer is not. And we said that prayer is not twisting God's arm, manipulating God, talking God into doing something that God would rather not do. Prayer is not arguing God to see things the way we see things so that he will agree with us and do what we want. 
And importunity or persistence in prayer is not wearing God down to the point of exasperation so he'll finally give in, you know, kind of like we did with our parents when we were kids. Mom cannot, no, please, no, please, 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 no, why can't I, please, please, please. Then finally mom says, fine, whatever, just stop asking. (laughs) Well, that's not prayer. That's not importunity in prayer. Prayer is not about changing God's mind. It's about changing our mind. It's not about changing God's will as much as it is about changing our will and bringing our will into conformity with his will. It's not my will be done. It's thy will be done. And importunity, persistence in prayer, is not about proving to God, God, I really, really want this. I really mean business. I'm serious about this. But it is about proving to ourselves, do you really want this? Do you really mean business? Are you serious about this? I like what Billy Friel wrote about this text. He said this, God is pleased by our persistence in prayer. Yet our pursuit does not change his mind, but strengthens our character and prepares us for the answer. That's good. Michael Wilkins said this, Jesus' disciples are to ask the Father continually as a manner of life and to be constantly responsible in pursuing God's will and to maintaining unremitting determination in expecting the Father to answer. That's That's the pursuit of prayer. You ask and keep on asking and you seek and keep on seeking and you knock and you keep on knocking. Persistence, importunity in prayer. Now that brings us to the prerequisites of prayer. Prerequisites. In verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? This this promise, verse 8, everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds to him who knocks, it will be open. This is not a blank check that anybody can just fill in and sign off and cash it in. It's not a blank promise where anybody, anywhere, anytime can ask for anything and God will give them whatever they've asked. You know better than that, right? You know better about that. You know better. Common sense tells you that. Personal experience tells you that. The Bible shows you that. World history shows you that. No, there's more to it than that. You can't just take a verse out of the Bible. I mean, when you start taking one verse out of the Bible, you can make the Bible say all kinds of crazy things. You always have to listen to the whole counsel of God's Word. You have to compare Scripture to Scripture. And when we listen to the whole counsel of God's Word, we find out there are some preconditions on the promise. There are some prerequisites. One is you have to have a right relationship with the Father. We start with a right relationship with the Father. Here, listen again in verse 11. And and that right relationship begins with salvation. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, your Father who is in heaven, sound familiar? That goes back to the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? Our Father, which art in heaven. Remember, we talked about the paternity of prayer. I'm not going to re-preach that whole sermon, but the paternity in prayer. That the beginning point of prayer. I mean, it all starts right here. The whole platform of prayer is that he is your father who is in heaven. That's, that's the whole reason that we can even presume to come to him in prayer is that we are his children and he is our father who are in heaven. People talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man and we're all God's children. Nope, we're not. We're all God's creatures, but we're not all God's children. You're not his child 
unless and until you've been born into his family. You have to be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. John put it this way in John chapter 1. He said, to as many as received him, talking about Jesus, as many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, who receive the gift of eternal life, to those who repent and put their faith and trust in Christ, to those he gave the right or the power to become the children of God. That's how you become his child. Uh, Paul says in Romans, we, we receive the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. How does he become my Abba, Father, my Father who art in heaven? By the new birth, by salvation, the forgiveness of sin. You have to be saved. Have you been saved? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If not, you need Jesus. I invite you to come to Christ even today. Say yes to Jesus. He loves you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants to save you. You say yes to him. Repent. Turn from sin and self. Put your faith in Christ. And receive by faith his gift of eternal life. That's how you're saved. Now in the language of the New Testament. If you've never done that. Anyone who has not been born from above. Born again. Adopted with a spirit of adoption as sons. Whereby we'll cry out. Abba Father. If you've never been saved. The Bible calls you actually the enemy of God. That's not my word. That's the Bible word. Enemies of God. Without Jesus Christ, we are the enemies of God. That the wrath of God abides upon us. That we are engaged in evil deeds. We're hostile in mind toward God. And the wrath of God abides upon us. The enemies of God have no platform to come to God in prayer. <laughs> the prayer that God will hear from his enemies is the prayer of unconditional surrender. When you want to wave the white flag and say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I repent. I believe. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. That's the prayer he hears from the unbeliever. So prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. His children. Your Father who is in heaven. Prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. We're talking about a right relationship with the Father. This, this promise, ask, seek, knock, you'll receive, you'll find, you'll, it'll be open to you. This is for those who are in a right relationship with the Father. It starts with salvation, but we're not done. The rest of the Bible also shows us obedience is a precondition on this promise. It's a prerequisite, obedience. A lost person needs to repent and be saved. A Christian needs to confess and obey. God hears the prayers of his obedient children. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, I mean, I've got my pet sins, and I don't want to give them up. I really, really like them, <laughs> and I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will keep on answering my prayers anyway. Is that what the Bible says? So yeah, no, that's not what the Bible says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. That's not too hard to understand, is it? If, if a parent has a child and the child, man, this, whew, this child's giving you a run for your money. They disobey. They're disrespectful. They, they are rebellious. Um, and then they decide they want an Xbox for Christmas. Are, are, you, are you inclined to give them an Xbox? Because no. In fact, you're probably going to take away the Xbox they already have. <laughs> On the other hand, if you have a child who is conscientious and obedient and, man, they're, they're your pride and joy and they, 
they just, they just, they make you proud. They want an Xbox for Christmas? Why, yes, you can have an Xbox. What else do you want? You want know, PS5 too? <laughs> you know, I mean, just, you love to bless a child who makes you proud. Uh, within reason, what's good for them. But you're not inclined to bless and reward wrong behavior. Well, if I regard iniquity in my heart, my Father who is in heaven won't hear me. Jesus put it this way in John 15, 7. If, notice that little big word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's that promised prayer. Answer prayer. Woo. Ask, seek, knock. You'll receive, you'll find. It'll be given to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you walk with me, if you love me and you stay close to me and my words are abiding in you and you're abiding in my words, in other words, you obey. You follow Jesus. You can ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. First John chapter 3 says this, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. That's answered prayer. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So here's somebody who has a testimony. God answers my prayers. Whatever we ask, God, we receive from Him. What's your secret, dude? We keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. So you see, these are preconditions to the promise. You have to be in a right relationship with the Father. That starts with salvation, and it continues with obedience. And then we have to ask the right requests of the Father. You need a right relationship with the Father, and then we need to make the right requests of the Father. Again, these are the prerequisites of prayer, preconditions. God is not a genie in a lamp where you rub the lamp, say the right words, and poof, there he is, and he'll give you whatever you ask. No. The sovereign, holy, wise, almighty God of the universe graciously hears and answers the prayers of his obedient children. But even then, he doesn't grant every request. He doesn't fulfill every wish, even of his obedient children. We have to ask for the right things. We have to make the right request of the Father. Jesus said it this way in John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What does it mean to ask for something in Jesus' name? That just means that's how you end the prayer, right? That's how you know the prayer's over. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, that's the end, dismissed. <laughs> no. To ask something in Jesus' name means that I can ask for this. I can come to the Father who is in heaven and ask this in the authority of Jesus Christ. And that this request, inasmuch as it is in line with the character and the will and the purpose of Jesus Christ, Lord, I ask this in the name of Jesus, that, that Jesus could co-sign this prayer, that he could endorse this prayer. Well, how do you know what you can ask for in Jesus' name? He says, you ask it in my name, I'm going to do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, how do you know what you can ask for in Jesus' name? How do you know what Jesus would endorse? Well, we have a clue. Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, that's a good place to start. There's a good little test. Well, this request, what I'm asking God to do, does this hallow his name? Would this magnify the Lord? Would somehow God be glorified in this? If he chose to answer this prayer and do this thing or give this gift or perform whatever, would this glorify the Father in the Son? Can I ask this 
with that in mind, thy kingdom come, the reign and rule of Jesus Christ, uh, King Jesus. God's reign and rule manifested in our lives and in the life around it, in the lives around us, in the world around us. Can I ask this? This thing that I'm asking God to do or be or, or give, is this going to manifest his kingdom? Is it about his kingdom? Or is it about my kingdom? <laughs> Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's a good little question. This this thing I'm asking God for in prayer, what's it got to do with God's will? Or is it just my will? Thy will be done. Well, that's a good place to start. You know, those, those three little questions, those will knock down a whole lot of our praying, probably. Find out, ah, I'm kind of off base. You also have a better idea of what we can ask for in Jesus' name when we abide in his word and walk in his spirit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want and you'll, and you'll get it. I'll do it. Abide in him. As you abide in his word and his word abides in you, as you are in his word and you live by his word, you obey his word. As you abide in Christ, you walk with Christ, you follow Christ, you are walking in the spirit, you're being filled with the spirit, you'll have an amazing discernment, a spiritual, a God-given discernment on, you know what, that's just silly. Lord, forget I even asked that. That was dumb. I don't know what I was thinking. You, know, just, you recognize silliness for silliness. You recognize worldliness for worldliness, selfishness for selfishness, carnality for carnality, and, and, and you cannot weed out a lot of stuff just as you abide in his word, his word abides in you as you abide in Christ and as you walk in the spirit. Well, that brings us to the parameters of prayer. Let's look at the parameters of prayer. Again, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? God gives good gifts. You know how to give good gifts to your kids. And you're evil. You're a sinner. You're temporal. How much more do you think your Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts? He knows how to give good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, Jesus, our, our, the Father of lights. Here's what that means. God knows what is good. God knows what is good. Even when we don't, God knows what is good. And Jesus uses that parent-child illustration. He gives a couple of those. It's like a parent and child. You know, our kids tend to ask for things that aren't good for them. Oh, they want them. They really, really, really want it. But as parents, as adults, with maturity and experience and knowledge, with maturity, we know what they want is not good for them. That's not a good idea. When they want candy for breakfast and Twinkies for supper, they really want that. No, that's not good for you. I know better. That's, that's not good. They want to stay up late or stay up all night playing games. No. I know you want to. You really want it. But the answer is no. I know that's not a good plan for you. Folks, we're children, aren't we? We're, we're his children. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we become the children of God. And sometimes we're very childish. And we really want stuff. We really, really want it. And we ask God for it. But God in his wisdom... In his perfect wisdom, he knows so many of the things that we think we want, God knows better. That's not good for you. The worst thing in the world would be for you to have that. You know, Thank the Lord he didn't give me some of the things that I asked for. It would, have, it would have hurt me. God knows some of the things that we ask for, not good for us. It could hurt us, if not destroy us. 
Now, we may not agree with him that this is good or not good, but God knows what is good, even when we don't. And God only gives what is good. He knows what is good, and he only gives what is good. He will never give you what is not good. And Jesus gives the illustration here. Your kid comes to you wanting bread. You're not going to give your kid a rock, are you? No, you wouldn't do that. What kind of parent would do that? Well, how much more do you think your father in heaven knows how to give good gifts to his children who ask of him? What God gives us, we might not think is good, but it's good. And this comes back to the fundamental nature and character of God. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. He is a good God. He is good. And he knows what is good, and he only gives what is good. He will never give you what is not good. He gives good gifts to his children. Well, God gives good gifts. You know what we ought to do? We ought to ask for good gifts. Again, here's the invitation. Ask, seek, knock. We ought to ask for good gifts from the God who knows how to give good gifts to his children. We ought to seek good gifts. We ought to knock on the doors of heaven for good gifts from, from, from our Father in heaven. So ask the Father for good gifts. Now, again, this isn't a promise about silly things, but there are, there are a couple of things I want you to see that are in view. One, there's physical needs. We can ask God for good gifts, and that includes, but it's not, a, not limited to, physical needs. Jesus already said in the Lord's Prayer, well, here's how you ought to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a physical need. God meets our physical need. And we said when we dealt with that part of the prayer, it's not just bread, and it's not just food, but it's really all the necessities of life. Now, there's a whole lot more going on here, and we'll come back around to that. But this is certainly in view but, but Jesus has already dealt with this. In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, he already taught us, here's how you ought to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he goes on to talk about anxiety and worry. You don't need to be worrying. You don't need to be fearful and stressed out about things like oh, food, clothing, shelter. People who don't have God, people who are far from God, Man, that's what they freak out about. They are all worried. They are scared. And they live for oh, food, clothing, shelter. But your father knows you need these things. And so you don't have to worry about that. He knows you need these things. You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, food, clothing, shelter, necessities of life, your physical needs will be added unto you. God knows that we are physical beings and we live in a physical world. We have physical needs. He knows that. He created us. He knows. He also knows that we tend to live for the physical. We get all wrapped up in the physical, and that's where our mind goes. And so God says, I tell you what, I want you to focus on the spiritual. You set your mind on things above. You focus on the spiritual. Let me handle the physical. You set your mind on the eternal, and let me take care of the temporal. Because we are so wrapped up in the temporal, what is now, what's temporary, what doesn't last, what's physical. And we totally lose sight of the kingdom of heaven, the eternal, and the spiritual. So when you have physical needs, by all means, ask, seek, knock. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God answers our physical needs. We know that. But there's more to this verse than this. The context is really not about physical it's about spiritual you want this verse to pop you want this promise of answered prayer to come alive start praying for spiritual things
Again, physical is okay. You can ask for spiritual, uh, physical, but there's so much more. Start praying for physical or spiritual gifts, spiritual needs. In fact, let me show you. Let's. Go, I hope you kept uh, Luke 11. Notice this in Matthew 7. Matthew 7:11. One more time. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good or good gifts to those who ask Him? Your Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask Him. He gives what is good. Our parallel passage in Luke 11, remember, is very similar. Different setting, different time, different occasion, same teachings. But notice what Jesus says in verse 13. When He's talking to His disciples... If you then, Luke eleven thirteen, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, that's what we just heard, how much more will your heavenly Father give, uh-oh, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's interesting. Not good gifts, not what is good, but the Holy Spirit. So in these two events, these parallel passages, these parallel events with parallel teaching, giving what is good or good gifts to his children is in parallel with giving the Holy Spirit to his children. Interesting. See, it's not just, Jesus said, listen, life is more than food, and the, and the body is more than clothing. Paul said that the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a whole other plane. I mean, we, we're physical beings. We have physical needs. We live in a physical world, but there's a whole other plane of existence. There's a whole other level. There's a whole other thing going on here we need to get in on that thing we need to jump into that plane and ask for the spiritual what does that look like again if you want this promise to really come alive in your life ask for the right things and start praying for spiritual things start praying for lost people to get saved now i'm not saying oh dear god save all the lost people in the world no that's that's lame Start praying for lost people by name that God has put in your life. You have family members who are without hope and without God in the world and headed to a devil's hell without Jesus. Start praying for them by name with importunity, with, with a relentless pursuit of God with your petition. You have friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors. There are people in your life who need Jesus. They are lost without God. They need Jesus Christ. You start praying for them by name with persistence, with importunity. And you bring them before the throne of grace and, oh God, I want this person saved. God, I know you want them saved. You died for them. Lord, let's get together. Let's gang up on them. God, save them. Bring them the gospel. Use me. Start here. And use me. Give me the words to say. Help them to see the power of God in my life. Help them to see the love of God in my life. Lord, in my lifestyle, in my words, in my deeds, in my actions, my attitudes, let them see Jesus loud and clear. But Lord, don't let it just depend on me. We've got to gang up on this one. They're a hard nut. <laughs> Lord, bring other people. Other people that they might hear. Other people that they might respect. Whatever it takes, God. Use circumstances. But God, we've got to get them. They're lost. You love them more than I do. And I love them. And, so, and you start praying for lost people. Pray for saved people to grow in Christ. Start with yourself. Pray for your own spiritual growth and maturity. Pray that God would change you, that he would grow you up in Christ, that you would be conformed to the image of a son, that he would develop within you that Christian character that honors him and, 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 
and uh, reflects the character of Christ. Pray for spiritual power in your life. Pray for spiritual power in the church. Pray for koinonia in the church. Pray for spiritual protection for yourself, for your family, for the church. Start praying above the physical. Let me show you, just, just kind of whet your appetite, what this might look like and sound like. In 2 Peter chapter 1, if you want to just listen or turn there real quick, but in 2 Peter 1, just kind of prime the pump. And 2 Peter 1 says uh, in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So the, the knowledge of God, pray that you might grow in the knowledge of God. Um, and, and verse 5, uh, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, that's, that's moral virtue, a, a moral character, in your moral excellence, knowledge, in your knowledge, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. Those are some characteristics. You just start there. Get the idea? If we were honest, I suspect if we, if we broke out our prayer journals this morning and started comparing notes, Probably the majority of our praying is physical. It's temporal. Lord, I don't feel good. I want to feel good. Help me feel good. Lord, I'm hurting. I don't want to be hurting. Take away the pain. Uh, Lord, I got a problem. Fix the problem. Solve the problem. Make the problem go away. Lord, those people are driving me crazy. Make them go away. You know, just, but it's all about temporal. And, and, and my loved ones, Lord, they don't feel good. Help them to feel good. Heal them. And, and so much of our praying really revolves around our comfort. I mean, if we got real honest about it, Lord, I'm not comfortable. And I want a pain-free, comfortable, problem-free life. So take away the pain, whatever it is, emotional pain, physical pain, whatever it is. Take away the pain, solve the problems, so I can be comfortable again. Safe, secure, and comfortable. That's what I want. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God is interested in so much more than us being comfortable. In fact, usually our comfort gets in the way. It's not really all that important that you feel safe and secure and comfortable. God wants you to be holy. God wants to be glorified. God wants his kingdom to come. God wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when you start praying for the spiritual, when you start asking the, the right request, man, Things are going to start happening. Not just bless me so I can be comfortable, but Lord, I want you glorified in my life, whatever that, whatever that takes. Whatever happens, whatever you do, whatever you allow, whether you make me pain-free or, or not, whether I have to live with this pain or you'll heal me, either way, I want your name hallowed in my life. And Lord, as I go through this problem, this trial, whatever it is, job or family, marriage, Whatever it might be, as I go through this mess, Lord, go with me, and I want you hallowed. I want your name. I want you glorified in my life. I wish you'd make it all go away, but Lord, if you're not going to do that, whatever it takes, be hallowed. Thy kingdom come. I want to live under the reign and rule of King Jesus. May your, king, your kingdom, your realm, be manifested in my life and in the world around me whatever that takes and whatever that's going to look like, count me in. Not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we come to God like that, you really want my name hallowed? You really want me glorified? You want the Father glorified in the Son? You want my kingdom to come? You want 
lost people saved and saved people sanctified and you want the defeat of evil and, and you want the church strengthened and, and you, want the, the, you look forward to, to the return of Christ. That's what you want. And my will be done. You want my will and my purposes accomplished. That's what you want. That's what I want. Let's get together. Boy, howdy. And now all of a sudden, when you ask, you receive. And when you seek, you find. And when you knock, things start opening up. Ask for the right things. Well, I want to share with you as we close up with this study and this message, five ways God answers prayer. This is not original with me. I've seen and heard variations of this all my life. So I don't know where it started, but it's not original. I don't know where it came from. Been out there forever, but it's worth repeating. Five ways God answers prayer. We're talking about answered prayer. Five ways God answers our prayers. One, God will say no. <laughs> sometimes the answer, the answer is no. God answers prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. It's not what you wanted. No. I love you too much. Our Father says, no, I, I know you want it, but no. You don't know what you're asking. This would hurt you. This could destroy you. This is not good for you. The answer is no. I love you too much. Sometimes God answers the, our prayers, no. I have something better for you. You want peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly for dinner? Oh, no, we're having ribeye steak, honey. I mean, it was so much better. Sometimes the answer is yes, but not yet. I know you want this. I know you want it now. Answer is yes, I'm going to let you have it, but you're not ready yet. It's not time. It's coming. You have to wait on me and trust me. Yes, but not yet. Sometimes God answers our prayers, yes, I'm just waiting for you to ask. I'm just waiting for you to ask. James tells us, you have not because you ask not. Makes me wonder how many answered prayers we don't get answered because we didn't pray them. <laughs> how many blessings are just sitting there waiting for the asking? Yes, I'm just waiting for you to ask. Or sometimes God answers prayer, yes. And here's more. Here's more. God answers prayers. The whole platform for praying, the, the beginning point, is the new birth. You have to be saved. Without Jesus, you're the enemy of God. And the first prayer is a prayer of surrender, prayer of repentance, prayer of faith. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me, save me. I repent, I believe, I choose you, I trust you with my life, my death, and my eternity. Jesus, save me. That's the first prayer. Have you been saved? Have you done that? Do you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? If not, he's not your father in heaven. He's your creator. Jesus isn't your savior. He's your judge. But he wants to be your savior. God wants to be your father. Say yes to Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to stand up and sing a hymn of decision. I'll be right here. I invite you to come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be born again, however you want to say it. And we'd love to talk with you privately, pray with you if you'd like to, that you, you could leave here today a child of God. I invite you to come. Just say yes to Jesus Christ. If you are saved, but you're not right with him, you know you're not right with him. Well, why in the world aren't you? What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Get right with him. Yeah, I mean, you're forfeiting this promise. Come back and get right. Oh, Lord, I want to come home. <laughs> I've been stubborn. I've been rebellious. I've been a knucklehead. 
I'm sorry, Lord. I confess and I repent. I'm going to get right. If you are saved and you're right with him, ask, seek, and knock. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. God, we are amazed, just dumbfounded and gobsmacked that the eternal, infinite, holy, transcendent God of the universe would actually hear our prayers and answer them. God, that's, that's a mystery. That's awe-inspiring. It's humbling. and it just makes us love you and worship you even more. You are a good God, a good Father in heaven who knows how to give good gifts to his children who ask of him. Lord, forgive us where we take prayer so for granted, where we trample all over it, where we neglect it. Lord, help us to live in light of the things that we have learned over these weeks. God, I pray for the one who's never been saved. Help them to see they are lost, that they are without hope and without God in the world. No matter how many church services they attended, no matter how many religious things they've done, no matter what a good moral life they have lived, they are lost and headed toward hell without Jesus Christ, the enemies of God. Lord, help them to see that and bring them to the cross even today. Take charge of this time of decision. And we pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.